0: with the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday here and Black History Month right around the corner. It's cool that your company can post a quote from Dr. King, but what are you and your company doing for the rights and opportunities of the less fortunate in this country? Just a question. Welcome back to another episode of Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you again for being here. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I appreciate you being a part of the show. If you've been with me for a while or since day one, thank you for coming back. And as always, if you want to become a paid supporter, or excuse me, if you want to pay as a supporter, you can go to anchor.fm, go to that Relatively Normal page, and hit that money button. And you become a supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. You can do it for 99 cents, you can do it for 499, you can do it for 99. Doesn't matter to me. Anything you want to do is appreciated. So, first let me say this: happy MLK Day, happy day of service. I hope that you're able to reflect on your life, reflect on the life of Dr. King look back and think how his words, how his actions have touched us. By no means was he a perfect man, but he moved civil rights forward. He was an ambassador for love, ambassador for peace. And I hope that you can take a few minutes out of your day just to think about that, maybe meditate, maybe do some mindfulness exercises, and really think about the words that he said and what he means to you. And I tell you what, Dr. King, I, I, I love Dr. King, and I love what his words meant. I love what he brought to this nation, this world. Um, and I, I really hope that, now I know that so many companies will post So many quotes of Dr. King this year. Every year, they'll do it. But a lot of times, they won't really follow through. You know, they won't really use their money for good. And again, being in a capitalist society, I know a lot of companies just think about that company. Think about the bottom line. And they very very rarely think about who that money affects. But... Hopefully we can change that. I want to share one of my favorite quotes. It's actually a quote I use in a lot of my emails from Dr. King. It is the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And I love that. I really love that. It's very easy for us to say those quote unquote tough things when everything is going our way, when everyone agrees with what we're saying. But in those moments of challenge and controversy, how do you respond? How do you act? And what you'll hear nowadays is a lot of his words being used for things, for goals that really shouldn't shouldn't be used. They're misconstrued. But that's why I kind of brought on my guest this week. And uh, you'll hear from her in the, in the second half of the show. But she is a young lady by the name of Keila Pugh. That is Q U I L A. And her and I work together. And we've had a lot of great discussions lately about how do we move diversity and inclusion forward in the workplace. And again, for a lot of you listening, you're thinking, Mark. This is a mental health and awareness podcast. This show is about mental health. What does this have to do with it? And again, like I've said before, this has everything to do with it. First, to really focus on the mental state and well-being of people, we need to understand who they are, what adversity they faced in life, and how we can help that person. If you're talking about black people, if you're talking about women, if you're talking about trans, LGBTQ, There are parts of their life or a lot of part of their life that they've been discriminated upon and they have to figure out a way to keep going. Like I said, most most people in the world have been discriminated upon for some reason. And I think as empathetic human beings, it's just the right thing to do to really try to put yourselves in their shoes and empathize with them and, and think, how can we move forward? Not just sweep things under the rug and tell people, oh, you just that, that's just how the world is. You got to get over that. You just got to no. know. We have to empathize, or at least that's what I think we should do. That's what I try to do. So Keel and I, you know, we met a few months ago, and I, she she put together a great... A great presentation—I don't know if you call it a presentation. It was, uh, she put out some videos on Native Americans in America. Um, Native Americans in America. I just heard what I said, but you understand what I'm saying. But these three great short films that a group of us watched, and then we got together and talked about it, and I thought it was so powerful. Um, and I love learning about cultures different from my own, and I really was happy to be a part of this group that talked about these Native American films. And since then, like right afterwards, I I messaged her and said, hey, what do you need from me? How do we get more of these things out? I really want to be a part of this. And we have started this friendship, this bond of two people trying to make diversity and inclusion up front a number one priority when it comes to the workplace. And I think a lot of us need to do that. I'll be honest with you, this is the part of my job that I really like, is when I can be a part of D&I groups, D&I groups that really look to help groups out, look to bring more diversity to the workplace, look to add representation. What What do I mean by representation? I can probably imagine that most people in life, when they were younger, saw somebody doing something that they, could, that they could see themselves doing. It wasn't until Barack Obama was elected president that a young black boy could look at the presidents of America and because of representation, say, I could do that. You know, it wasn't because of some of the pioneers in women's rights, some of the pioneers in trans rights, some of the pioneers in gay rights, that a young person could say to themselves, I can do that because someone who looked like them, who thought like them, who acted like them, was representing something they wanted to do. And that's, Keila and I talk about representation a lot, but I really want people to focus on that. When we look at a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, a lot of the bigger companies, and they'll quote MLK today, they'll quote so many black civil rights leaders, and then you go to their website, and you see their board of directors, You see their CEO, their chief claims officer, their chief technology officer. And there is a a pattern. And you know what the pattern I'm talking about. When we start seeing more people of color, more women, more LGBTQ people in positions of power, on, in director jobs, in VP jobs, on board of directors, the decision makers of big companies. Because there's a reason why you want representation in your workforce. You would like your workforce to look a lot like your customer base. And I could go into the data behind it. I can go into the analytics, but it's there. The social science is there. And I'm really hoping, I really think this, this younger generation understands that. I really think this, under, this new generation understands what their worth is. When they want to push for representation, they want to push, push for more diversity at work. Because that alone, well not alone, but that will help greatly in the mental health of so many people. It, it's full circle it really is full circle. I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation I have with Keela. And please, if you can share this episode, share any episode you want. Please go to Facebook, go to my Facebook page, go to my IG page. Please share this. Because I think this is huge. We're getting to a point where the world has become so polarizing. We're politicizing everything. The COVID response, whether you're vaxxed or unvaxxed, whether you believe CRT should be taught in schools. Everything is being polarized. And I was actually on a a, a podcast earlier, or last week, the 6am run podcast, and you can listen to me there. But, and I said it, and I really believe this. There are more things in this world. There's more things in our lives that make us the same. We have more things in common than we do that make us opposites. We have more things that connect us than the things that divide us. But I think, I'll be honest with you, I think it's better television. It's better social media. It makes more money if we can find ways to divide people, if we can find ways to scare people. We can get more ad runs on TV or ad runs on different social networks if we find find things that divide us and scare people instead of saying, you know what? A lot of us think the same. There's a minority in this country that thinks terrible things. There really is. But they get a lot of the airplay. And I want you to really think about those things that connect us. A lot of us would love to see more diversity and more representation in in the positions of power, whether that's in a company, whether that's in a store, whether wherever it is. We would love to see that representation. Me personally, I work in the insurance business. I would love to see more women do what I do because that opens up so many avenues to get more young girls thinking that they can do anything. I would love to see more people of color in the insurance business and not just in customer service not just a first notice of loss on the phones. I would love to see them in leadership positions. I would love to see them in more customer-facing positions. I would love to see them more on billboards representing big insurance companies. I would love that. And maybe it's starting to change, but we're still a long way away. So after the quick break, I'm going to be back with Keila and we're going to talk about so many things, but diversity and inclusion is going to be the biggest one. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll be right back after the ad. To be normal podcast, and I'm gonna let this young lady introduce herself. But first, I would like to say, um, as you guys know me, as I've done this show before, I kind of talk about the the small group of people that I keep close. I I do like to not overburden myself with too many people in my life, and I like to keep people close who I think I have a connection with, and I think have the same values as I do and I think that's happening now in the last few weeks as I've um, talked a little bit more to the guest this week on the show Keila Pugh and her and I work at the same company together and we have a lot of the same values we want to see the same things happen in the workplace we kind of want to pave our own way but at the same time possibly do it together so Keila, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um go ahead and introduce yourself to the world.
1: Okay, hi. Um, yeah, my name is Kila. Um, it's Kila like tequila. And um just a little bit about myself. I'm I'm grew up uh, black and Puerto Rican, but mostly identifying as black, just um like skin color, just I guess the way I present. Um so a lot of like my passions and um, just things that I want to like do in life have to do around like the black community and just kind of uplifting um, specifically like in the workplace. Uh, that's kind of how we got together, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, but yeah, and then just working in mostly like tech companies it, that it's pretty much lacking, especially with women or people of color. So very excited to start just kind of doing that at our job.
0: And we're going to jump. Thank you so much. We're going to jump right in. And um, we know that a big, well, I say we know, we believe there is a big push nowadays for some sort of DE&I in a lot of companies. I've had on other guests in the show kind of talk about what they would like to see with diversity inclusion. And I guess the first question that we can discuss And you've mentioned your background, how you're raised, how you, uh, you know, what cultures you represent. But why is diversity and inclusion, diversity, equity, and inclusion so important in the workforce or in the workplace, I should say?
1: I, I feel like it's because for a lot of people that it doesn't affect, it doesn't matter. And that's typically like the tone that's set is like, well, you know, anybody can get this position. It's not, you just have to work hard enough for it. But in reality, that's not really how it works. Um, and especially, like, having a background in hospitality and, like, customer service. Typically, like, whenever you see any sort of diversity, it's on the lower levels. And that that's just, it's disheartening, and it's, like, off-putting. So that, that's something that I would, love to be a part of um like in any way possible and just like kind of either opening eyes or actually being like a part of a change um it's just i don't know it i just want everyone included everyone to feel included not like you have to be a certain way or look a certain way in order to get a certain position or anything like that in a company
0: and i totally understand and for for others out there that may not understand what we're talking about is, is you know, when you work in, in the tech world and in the insurance world and, you know, most of the bigger industries, you'll see most of your diversity, whether that be racial, gender equality, whatever it is, in the quote unquote, you know, entry level positions or lower positions in, in, our, posi- in our company, you know, customer service or first line claims, things like that, you'll see. But as you move up, you might not see as much diversity. So, um, you know, I guess the next question is, you know, we, we kind of talked about why you think it's important in, in your personal opinion, how do we become more diverse? How do we make more, um, how do we make more positions available to people of color or to women? How do, how do we do that in your opinion?
1: I think it would be more so like changing like affecting the minds of the, the actual like leadership in hiring because there there are qualified people out there it's just like people aren't like checking for them or looking for them and that's the hardest part um, but then also because it, it kind of like there's like it's like a two-edged sword like you I want to see leadership that's like a people of color or like queer or women but then if you are specifically hiring for that it just seems performative so it's more so like just getting in the mind of like leadership and like why this is important and like all of these people are looking for these these things in the company that they work for they want a leader that looks like them that they feel comfortable talking to and just making them understand that rather than just being like oh well we just want a good manager when you can get a good manager but they can also be black like you can get a good executive chief officer but they can also be a woman and it's just like showing them like it you don't have to do it because like you have to like you can just want to do it and know that it's like the right thing to do and like a good thing that you're doing
0: and would you would you say and those are all good points would you say that it's it is the duty of the responsibility of the company to do their best to have their workforce look like their customer, at least in regard to, um, you know, racial, gender lines, things like that. Would it would it be beneficial to actually have executive groups, director groups, boards, CEOs, CFOs, CTOs, all these companies? you know, including the one we work with, would it be beneficial for, you know, their workforce to mirror who their customer is?
1: Yeah, uh, just because it, it also is just, it, it doesn't make any sense that we would be working like, you know, people of color, women working for just like cis white men. It, it just, it's like, that's everywhere. You know, we, me personally, like just a story, like I deal with imposter syndrome. Like everybody deals with imposter syndrome, but there's like that certain imposter syndrome that you're like, oh, is it, did I only get hired because I'm black? Like, was it, they just had to fill a quota. Is my, am I actually like worth this position that I'm, I'm getting? And it's just difficult when I don't have somebody that I can talk to about that that can understand what i'm going through because my manager is like a white man and it's the same thing with the executives like i want to be working for a company that i know has my back and if i look at the board of directors and it's just a panel of you know white men and women it's just like i don't know if this company aligns actually with what i believe and what i think um and then just same with that's obviously like board of directors that's a little bit outside of even my job and like people I come into contact with but just like executives like you know I just I would love to see just some sort of representation um insurance in general I think is just I think there's still some redlining going on with insurance but I would like to see just a little bit more diversity there too because I know that there's certain areas that have higher risks because of the the literal area, like Detroit. Um, the The insurance rate in Detroit is insane, and I think de- when you hear Detroit, you just think typically like African American or like gangbangers, and I think it just has that kind of um, stereotype. And I would just like to see that change as well.
0: And you're right. And I would love to see that change, and I think you and I can agree. Like when we get the roles we get, um, you know, I, I think, somebody may disagree with me, but I think, you know, people who look like me have a duty to try to help the next generation, try to make promotional opportunities, make get job opportunities for people who, who look like me, um, especially in, and you're absolutely right about the insurance world. This is not a knock on the insurance world. This is it's historically, you know, I've come from the field of adjusting. I've come from the field of estimating where it's mostly... Uh, you know, white men that do that. And and lately it's been changing. You see a lot more women in the field, see a lot more women estimating, see a lot more people of color in insurance, but at no way are we even close to where we need to be. Um, And I always said this, and I'll get your kind of thoughts on this. I always thought when, um, you know, a woman calls into any kind of service and um, there's another woman on that line and they can kind of speak the same language, kind of make that person feel comfortable. As, as an insurance company, I always think that the job is to, of course, there's a, a service to be performed, but to make your customer feel comfortable um, and to make your customer feel like they're going to be heard and they're going to be listened to. And I always think when you have a more diverse workforce, I think that's going to boost your customer service. I don't know what you think about that, but I specifically think like you can take all the data you want you can take all the analytics you want, but I really feel if there's a diverse workforce working for a diverse customer, that's your your customer service is gonna go through the roof. That's that's how I feel.
1: No, yeah, absolutely. Like it it, it it's off a little condescending. Like even if I were to say the same thing to a woman that a man would, it it's just especially with something like insurance, because that's typically a man's like responsibility to get insurance for his family. So when you have like a woman actually doing this and you're saying all of these things that aren't necessarily like too insurance jargony, um, it still comes off like condescending, but it is nice to have somebody like, Oh, okay. Well, she's a woman. Like sh- I I trust what she's saying because like, she wouldn't steer me wrong because it's like that sisterhood kind of thing. Um, even like, to be honest, it, it was, I think like I've we talked about this before but like I don't sound black like quote unquote it's just I don't have like the twang or anything like that but I think it is nice that like more people are especially even though like I would like to see people outside of um like entry level or like customer service but it is kind of nice to like you know if you are buying insurance for the first time And you have somebody on the phone that sounds like you, it's, it's nice. It's comforting. Like they're, they're going to take care of me. They're going to make sure I'm set with my insurance plan. And I like that that's becoming like more of a thing that you don't have to have this, like, you don't have to, um, code switch all the time.
0: And you just brought up a bunch of things like... (laughs) Not talking, quote unquote, black code switching. We could do entire episodes on those two things. But we've kind of spoken generalities and I kind of want to get specific really quick with you because you've talked a little bit about yourself and about the industry you work in. But just in general, just so people know, what are some of the type of things, the adversities that you go through might not be on a day to day, but what you've had to go through in your life that. Others might not have to or might not realize or might not understand. What are some of those things that that you've had to go through?
1: Well, just, again, the way that I sound, I, I guess I typically like with phone interviews, I guess I'm better in phone interviews than in person. Um, sometimes I feel because they, they can hear me talk and then they're like, yeah, you can come in. We'd love to like do a face to face with you. And then I come in and I know that they're like, oh. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and then a lot of things as far as like customers, all that my name in general, like my name is Kila, like tequila, like it's spelled the exact same way. Everyone can say tequila. Everybody knows Jose Cuervo. I can have an entire like conversation with a customer, make them 100% reassured in their plan. And then they're like, what's your name again? And I say Kila. And they're like, oh, well, that's odd. And then I spell it for them. And then that's just when it like all of the like ideas start coming in. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't expect to get that kind of service from someone that has a unique name as that. Um, so but that's just always something that like I, I struggle with, or like the whole like cause I feel like I fall in that whole trope, like you speak really well. And it's just, it's just like a backhanded compliment.
0: That is not a compliment for anybody listening. Like, I understand why you want to say it, but it's not really a compliment, but go, I, I'm sorry. I just, I no. Always, no. you and I are in the same boat when it comes to that. So I have the more, you know, Anglo-Saxon Christian name Mark, but I, I understand what you're saying. So I apologize, go, go on. No, it's okay. And
1: then just like, in general like with work i do sometimes doubt my my credentials themselves just because of my name um because it's no one knows how to say it at first and it's always like i don't know if that's going to pass me up the fact that my name is unique um like i love my name i think it's beautiful but it is unique and i don't know if that's going to pass me up an opportunity because it's going to kind of present some sort of stereotype in their mind when they see my name.
0: Now, as long as they're on a the subject, I mean, is there is there a backstory to the name? How did you, is is there a reason for the name? Is there a, a meaning behind it?
1: N- no, not a meaning. And this was always something too that I had to struggle with because it, like when I would tell people this in school and stuff, they'd be like, oh yeah, you're, you're black or that your name is ghetto because it's like a mix of two names. Mm. So I was always like, what does that mean? Um, but yeah, my sister's name, it starts with Q-U-I. And then my grandmother's name ends with L-A. So then it, they my parents put it together and it's Kila.
0: So you have a quintessential family name, basically, yeah, is I, what you're saying. And I love it. I yeah. think it's great.
1: I love my name because I don't ever have to worry about like, I have to worry about substitutes not being able to pronounce my name, but I never have to worry about like, oh, which key are you calling? It's like, I'm the only one. <laughs>
0: That is, that's great. So, and just so, you know, I know there's people out there that we could, we could have this conversation in front of and, and they could kind of brush it off as th- th- that's not really an issue. Like you're just thinking it's just in your head. But um, what I kind of want you touched on this early is like when we talk about representation, it would be great if there was a young girl being born today who looked like you, had a name that started with a Q. And in 20 years, she's going to be able to see you in a leadership position and think to herself, I can do that. And that's when we talk about, that's why we talk about representation, why it matters so much. We have millions of people on this earth, and there's only a select few that can look at specific jobs, specific titles It wasn't until, you know, Obama was elected president that a young black boy could say, I want to be president because I've seen someone do that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Or a young black girl could say, I want to be the first lady or possibly the president or now the vice president because they see somebody who looks like them doing it. Mm -hmm. Representation matters. So... You know, when you were growing up, did you see that representation? Who did, did When you looked at, at people that you wanted to be or things you wanted to become, I'm assuming the representation wasn't there, but I may be wrong. But what, I mean, what did you see? And I know that's asking a lot of you right now. It's kind of, you know, putting you on the spot. But if you can go back, and I know you're younger than me, but what was that like growing up? What was that representation like?
1: yeah there there was obviously like growing up as like a girl in in the 90s like it was my parents did a really good job at like letting like reminding us that we were different but not in a way that like we were an other or anything like that but like we always had like black barbie dolls um like black baby dolls things like that um So obviously, like, Scary Spice was an influence on me, as silly as it sounds. Um, And then we, I always, the Princess and the Frog was, like, an amazing movie to me. Like, that came out when I was older, but I still went to the theaters to watch it because it's the first Black princess. Um, But before then, it was, like, Jasmine. That was the only one that I was like, oh, I want to be like Jasmine because she was brown. She was like darker. So that was the only one that I could kind of relate to. Um, And then just, I ran track. So like on a level that like, as far as like professionalism, like um, there were these two sisters on the um, uh, U- University of Texas team. They were called the Hooker sisters. And they were, those are those my role models. Um, and that's kind of like what I wanted to strive for, like be in college, go to university, um, have my education and be like, you know, just they weren't obviously sports and like African-Americans. That's always a stereotype, but they were like making it. And I was like, I like that.
0: And that's that's great. I'm I'm glad. And I know both of those movies. Uh, Princess and the Frog is an amazing movie. And you're absolutely right. Um one because it is you know, based in New Orleans, and that's where I was born. And that's where <laughs> much of my family is, and I always love the gumbo scene at the beginning, where she's making the gumbo for the whole community, because that's literally what gumbo was for. And I make gumbo for my family now, so that that hits home. And then my daughter's named Jasmine, and she loves Princess Jasmine. That's all she wants to dress up as. So um, mm-hmm. I totally appreciate those two references. So now um you know we've kind of talked about you know your your thoughts on you know workforces workplaces being more diverse becoming more diverse doing things to to you know become more representative of their customer base we've talked about kind of specific things you've had to go through and um we're coming up on a huge holiday the martin luther king jr holiday and you know of course that means that next month is black history month and Mm -hmm. we see we see a lot of a lot of the more a lot of the bigger companies the 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 more visible companies starting to talk about what they're doing for people of color how diverse they are, and what they're specifically doing for the Black community. We're gonna hear about that for a good, you know, thirty to forty Mom. day month. Mm-hmm. I say more than a month because MLK is Monday, <laughs> and then we go through February. But then, and you and I talked about this earlier. Then we kind of see nothing is really said that much about equity, equality, you know, diversity black rights you know systemic Mm -hmm. racism um equal playing fields things like that so my kind of a two-part question the first part is going to be like is going to be do you buy everything you see from mlk to the end of black history month when it comes to all these companies you know giving out so many funds to to black colleges and, and and black civil rights leader organizations and Like, what is your, when you see that, I know my personal response to it, but when you see that, like, what are your thoughts when you, when you see that happening for a specific period of time during the year?
1: I I don't believe it. Um, just because it's not, that's not something that like only a month that people go through. Um, it's not something that should just, you should recognize it. Like take the time out to recognize it just that one month um also like obviously it's it's nice to donate it's nice to give back but it's just it's so silly that it's just like all right this is the one month that we're going to do it um to kind of go back i feel like if there were more like people of color um in leadership roles those things would be actually like thought out because there would be somebody there saying like no this isn't this isn't a good idea or like just kind of bringing that stuff up throughout the year instead of just one time a year that you're like, oh, let's actually make an initiative. Just, it's it's always something happening. Um, just kind of like, especially with, just MasterCard in general, I dislike. Everything that they do is very performative, like the, mar- like the marketing and the company itself. Um, so it's like, you can sit here and say like, oh, we're gonna donate X amount, to NAACP, but then it's still throughout the year it's still very difficult for anyone that is in a certain demographic to get to gain credit. And like maybe you should be working on that. Like make that your at start in February, and start that initiative in February and make it last throughout the year.
0: But I mean that, that that's would never gonna nice. happen. <laughs> that that would be nice. And so that kind of leads me to the second part of my question is what I mean what can companies do again what I mean it's not really and I I hate to say it companies but let's be honest this is a capitalist society capitalist country we live in um a lot of money is run through big corporations that kind of funnel down to other corporations and money is funneled into the community so um you know, what are, what are things that you would love to see a company do year round instead of for a good 30 to 45 days?
1: I, maybe if it started, like, even on the inside of like the organization, that would be a start that I, I know that they're actually taking steps internally to change the company because then that's obviously going to reflect outward. Because you're going to have people giving their opinions, you're going to have people like speaking their mind, actually giving their learned, like lived experiences. And that's going to affect the company, how they like move forward as far as with their customers. So maybe that would be, I feel like honestly, that would be the, the biggest step, like where where we work. Like if you were to actually have people like diversity, like legit diversity in upper management and the executive, there could be actual changes going on with the type of customers we have the type of marketing we do to get customers because we would get a more diverse crowd of customers so it's always just some like it's always just changing internally even like as a person like changing internally is gonna like affect your outward it's the same thing with the company
0: that is a i mean i personally i think that is a great answer because there's so many ways we could have gone with that about where we spend company dollars where we spend profit dollars but to begin this whole thing the genesis has to be internal like it has to be with your internal processes your the way you hire the way you promote the way you train and that that can go a long way so
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and that's i mean that's all great to hear and as you know this this show focuses on you know mental health and awareness and um I try to make it evident that you know you don't just have to talk about you know bipolar disorder or postpartum or anxiety. Like mental health is everywhere, and mm-hmm. diversity, and making sure people's voices feel heard, people's you know, um, you know their 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 thoughts are thought of, their feelings are thought of. That those play into your mental health, so. Overall, lately, with, you know, with everything we've seen going on in in the country, um, just the politics taking over, you know, we've had a lot of things come out. We had the insurrection on January 6th that, you know, we just had a a year um, anniversary of, which is a terrible thing to even, like, think about having anniversary of. But, I mean, we have to remember Mm -hmm. what happened. Like, where are you right now with everything going on? We got COVID. We're trying. You and I are, are are talking about getting more diverse workforces. You talked about some of the adversity you have, either in microaggressions or imposter syndrome or dealing with people. And your your name, like mentally, where are you right now? How do you feel about all this that's going on?
1: Um, drained. It's it's like the more I get involved, the more drained I am. Just because it's like. Taking on so much, and just waiting for somebody to come help and like take some of the weight off. Um, I mean, I I guess in another way, like, but I I didn't act black growing up. Like, I was very open with like my mental issues. Um, I've always been, I guess, a very emotional child. So I I struggle with it, and I'm very like honest with it. Um, honestly, like with my feelings and emotions. So. Like, if I am struggling, I make sure that I tell the right people, um, especially, like, with the organization trying to deal with everything and try and just stay, stay sane. Like, if I can't handle a workload of a project, then I'll, like, I'll be open with, like, the team, like, the the anti-racism team about it, so.
0: What is it? for it's... people?
1: For people who,
0: because that's very courageous, that's very... And I, I don't just throw around courage like it's. but for you to be, you know, a a black child growing up and a black child, a black person in America now where. And let's be honest, like, I don't know how much your black family talked about feelings. I don't know much mm-hmm. how much, you know, I, I know my my family rather rarely ever talked about how we felt. Um, there was a pressure on my dad to be the stoic you know mm-hmm. leader of the the family there was pressure on my mother to be that that quintessential black mother in America there was pressure mm-hmm. on my brother and I to my brother and me to to kind of be those two black boys growing up in in white suburban America and there was pressure on my sister to you know to be that quintessential black teen and so there's always and, and rarely does mental health brought up but like somebody growing up right now who may look like mm-hmm. you who wants to who wants to break that cycle Shh. and break that stigma like what do you tell that person what do you tell a younger version of yourself
1: just i i don't think you have to be like a certain age to know that something's wrong in your in your head i don't think you have to be like in your 20s to be like yeah i should probably go see a therapist um and just like kind of all Keep, like fight for it like fight for yourself um that was something that I kind of I still talk to my parents about it um now just because I did have a lot of mental issues like <laughs> as a kid um and I wish that I would have kind of laid into them more about actually getting me help um and it took just because now as an adult like I'm handling it but I'm still trying like kind of getting over like the issues that I have with my parents of them ignoring it um and that's not fair to them because obviously they didn't know what to do um i was the youngest so my two sisters are completely fine i don't want to say completely fine because i think everybody struggles but they they weren't i wasn't acting the same way that they were and i don't think that they knew how to handle it so always just be honest like with your feelings and emotions um especially like in the black community my dad was very stoic um There was a day, actually, like, that a night that my parents just, like, got tired of me just sitting in my room every day. And they were like, what's going on? And I just broke down crying and I was telling them about how depressed I was. Um, And I was just saying, like, I feel like you guys would be so much happier if I wasn't here. And that was the first time I ever heard my dad curse. Um, And he he just told me to cut the shit. And it was like that stuck with me because that is typically how it how it goes like that's how it's it's treated that it's just like get over it like man up life isn't that hard um but it is and i think it you recognizing that is like a big step so like just recognize it and just try and push for the help that you actually do need
0: i i love that i love that Fight for yourself you're you're important um you know, life is, life is hard and it's difficult and everybody has their, um, their different things that, that get to them. A lot of people can handle adversity differently than others. Doesn't mean you're a better person. Doesn't mean you're a better human being. Um, we need to fight for each other and then fight, f- fight for ourselves. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: thank you. Thank you so much for that. This has been very enlightening. I appreciate your time. So um, as we're doing with a few of the shows now, um, we've had a, we've had a pretty deep discussion today and, and I think a lot of good stuff has come out of it, but we kind of like to just end on a little levity and you you kind of talked about um, your passion for track and field. So this is where mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you to end this in this show is like you are thrown into the Olympics and you can pick any any track and field event that you want to participate in what event is that and why
1: um the 200 that was my favorite race um i was a sprinter and uh because you have to like learn how to run at it on a curve and i like perfected that that was my favorite race to run
0: that is so you you used to watch uh was it michael johnson yeah it used to uh, uh do the 200 so yeah mm-hmm. um and, uh, well, that's awesome. That is great. Um, I personally, um, I'm a, I'm a runner now, but very slow and distance. So I can't sprint. So you probably would have run laps around me. You probably still can run laps around me. So we'll just, we'll leave it at that. So Keila, thank you so much for being a part of this show. I think this was very enlightening. Um, I really hope people get a lot out of this and, and understand that there was nothing <sighs> There was, I I hate to say it, there's nothing malicious in this. There's nothing um, purposely said to hurt anybody's feelings. But sometimes, you know, things need to be said for actions to come out of them. And more people need to hear it and more people need to act on it. So um, I look forward to our discussions in the future. I know you and I are going to be working a lot together. And Mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for being a part of this show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. A
0: hey, special thanks to our guest this week, Miss. Kila Pugh for coming on and discussing just so many great things about diversity and inclusion. As always, Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Pazan. And if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.